Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Are you frustrated with financial systems in this country and looking for alternatives? Do you sometimes wonder how the central banking establishment came about in this country and what you can do to regain a measure of control and freedom in your finances? We're continuing our conversation with Nelson Nash today, a man who has radically transformed the financial landscape over the past several decades by training people to opt out and bank on themselves. He's dedicated his entire life to this cause, and he and those who follow him are now reaping the rewards of his infinite banking concepts. Let's get back to the conversation and learn more about how this outside-the-box thinking works and just what Nelson's insights have accomplished over the years. So there are many ways of using this strategy, right, these policies. Sure. What is one of the most creative ways that you've found that people have used it? I mean, certainly the traditional ways, financing equipment and financing businesses and real estate and cars. But name a couple that are really, that you found were really out there and creative. Well, you know, I can always uh, uh, use my own examples within our family and so forth. Uh, uh, None of my three children uh, have uh, mortgages. Everything's been done with, within the family, so forth. And uh, you know I'm an aviator, right? Kim and Dave, my youngest daughter, um, they bought me three airplanes down through the years. Uh, we haven't financed a car in uh, 33 years. Uh, within Dave's family, there are um, four uh, children. And they're all married, and uh, none of them have ever financed a car ever anywhere else. And so I uh, made it a a habit that uh, whenever any grandchild was born, uh, we'd crack up a uh, $2,000 premium, uh, high premium, low death benefit policy, and uh, our children would match that. So every grandchild has that kind of system going since day one of their uh, birth. Now, we have uh, eight great-grandchildren, and the uh, same thing has been done for them. Now, once you do this thing within uh, a family, uh, you can create perpetual motion out there that uh, we're working, see, on the fourth generation with this understanding. But the message is what's important, though, the concept and so forth is a tool, but uh, I learned a long time ago in my forestry days, I was clearing land with heavy equipment for tree growing purposes, D7 caterpillars. They look indestructible, but I learned that if you put an operator on that tractor for a job, he'll make you money because he knows how to operate it. But if you put a tractor driver up there, not only does he not turn out any work, he'll break the tractor. And so the most important part of all this is getting the message across to the next generation. But herein lies the problem out there. The educational world, they don't teach this sort of stuff at all. 
to the contrary. They teach the, the opposite. And so uh, that's financial noise. And, you know, I've heard you use that term a number of times, and that, that is so good. Uh, the, the financial world is just filled with absolute nonsense. It really is. It confuses a lot of people. And if the conventional financial wisdom worked, then we wouldn't be in the economic financial position that we're in today. People wouldn't be struggling, right? Absolutely. What is, what is the number? 6% or actually, I'm going to, you know, 49% of all statistics are made up on the spot. And so I'm not going to yeah. be one of those 49%. There is a statistic that suggests less than 5% of the of men or people own 95% of the wealth or 90% of the wealth, True. right? Um, Absolutely. 10% of the, of the whole life, no, sorry, 50, over 50% of the whole life insurance policies that are out there are owned by 10% of the wealthy. What is it that they know that the rest of the people don't know? Why is it suggested that the sheep, right, um, follow the sheep, but those that are going a different direction when it comes to money are really the ones that have the wealth. Well, what you're addressing is the bane of Americans uh, of uh, human beings' existence since day one. That's why that article that I'll be sending you uh, by Paul Rosenberg about fish of the last and notice of water is that this phenomenon has been going on for some 6,000 years with no trouble at all. Uh, it's at least that long. Maybe it's longer than that. But this top-down thinking is the thing that's predominated all along. And um, um, it's hard to change because the system is designed by and carried out by people who have a vested interest. And uh, you can go back to bankers every time. Uh, see, uh uh, I've met some uh, wonderful people, including Teresa Kuhn, uh, especially, I guess, is best way to say that. But uh, through uh, the years of study, I've been able to uh, really cross paths with some interesting and very valuable people. One of them was a uh, tax attorney called Charles Adams. Charles Adams was a Canadian fellow and a fellow aviator. Uh, and down at the Mises Institute, uh, which is a great uh, Austrian uh, website uh, here in, in Alabama, it's it's got it's world class. Uh, anyway, Charles Adams was there, and I met him. And uh, one of the books that uh, he wrote uh, is on my reading list. It's entitled "For Good and for Evil," and he makes the profound statement behind every significant event in history. There is a tax story. Now, mm. uh, Marisa, when you say tax, you've also got to say money. Mm-hmm. But Charles didn't recognize that behind every significant event uh, out there, there is a banking story. There are no exceptions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the wars, right? All the wars, all the conflicts. Right, the major conflicts, don't even call it war. Um, economic disasters, economic booms, uh-huh. um, change in government, change in dictators, change in rulers, 
There is what a money story behind every last one of those. And our country is no different at all. Uh, gosh, I just ran across one year in the last few days or so that uh, I didn't realize. Uh, are you ready for it? Sure. The, the war of northern aggression, some folks refer to that as the war between the states, uh, or some people call it civil war, but that was no civil war. You see, again, they changed the name of uh, an activity. Uh, a civil war is when two or more factions fight for control of a country. There is no evidence at all out there of the South wanting to take over Washington, D.C., and run this country. To the contrary, they wanted to get away from it, just like back in 1776, uh, we wanted to get away from what England was doing with that abominable uh, system in which they lived of uh, mercantilism. But, uh, you see, uh, people just don't think this way at all. The uh, Civil War, they call it, uh, lasted from uh, 1861 to 1865. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you know that in 1866, just one year later, we have a warship on the river in Korea going up the river to, to Pyongyang. Now, you tell me somebody in America who knows that. Yeah. One thing people got to understand is that uh, Napoleon was absolutely correct when he said uh, history is lies agreed upon. Now, you alluded to it a while ago that only the revisionist histories, uh, history writers are the actual uh, historians. Everyone, the rest right. of them there, they had a vested interest in getting what they uh, what favored them in print uh, as soon as possible. A classic example of that is Churchill. He was, quote, a historian, end quote, and he made sure that uh, his viewpoint got uh, established immediately. But uh, when you go study, you find that it is quite different from that. But therein lies the problem. But it's all part and parcel of this thing of top-down thinking. That's why that little article that I was telling you about, uh, Fish of the Last and Notice the Water, is such a profound instrument. And so... uh, you know, uh, absorb that thing and uh, just find out what the real meaning of it is because it'll dawn on you. Nelson, I've got, I want to shift the, the conversation just a little bit. Sure. Um, we are not promised tomorrow, right? No. We're not promised the next moment. No. And so because we're not promised tomorrow and it is my hope and prayer that you're with me again later on this year, right? We do another show for Living Wealthy and next year and the following year, right? But in case I'm not here, right? Yeah. Or in case you're not here, what are the top three lessons that you've learned in your life, a life beautifully lived, an elegant, gracious, serving? What would you, what would be those three top lessons that you would impart to those listening today? The best uh, Austrian economics book in the world is the Bible. People don't understand that. The the Austrian friends don't understand that uh, correlation, and my Christian friends don't understand that correlation from their point of view. 
And uh, I'm uh, cursed or blessed, as the case may be, of understanding that there is that valid connection there. The the Old Testament contains uh, 4,000 years of top-down thinking that cannot work. It demonstrates the fallibility of human beings and so forth. There's 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's only about 75 years involved in the New Testament. Jesus Christ didn't start preaching until he was 30, and he only taught for less than three and a half, uh, three years, I'm sorry. Uh, and it was bottom up thinking. There is nowhere that, uh, Jesus Christ ad- advocated that, uh, you know, he's had, he's having that temptation with Satan, uh, for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness of, uh, what, do I, how do I go about performing what I've got to do? And uh, Satan says to him, we've been out here a long time. You're probably hungry. Just command those stones that are in to into bread. You can do that. You know that. Then he says, well, you know, to impress these people, uh, go find a high place there over the city that you can dive off of in, into the street where we, all these people are gathered. And it's not going to hurt you because uh, angels are going to rescue you, and you know that. That will show them a trick, and that will get their impression. Uh, get them uh, uh, to understanding that yeah, you're somebody. Ah, that's top-down thinking. Yeah, that won't work. That didn't, that does not change the hearts of men. And there's no evidence that uh, Jesus Christ said, "Yeah, well, I think the thing for me to do is go get me one of those uh, PhDs with the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, and study under Gamaliel like Saint Paul did." There's no way. That's top-down thinking. No, to the contrary. Learning bottom-up bottom up thinking that uh, is the only way to go. That we contract with everyday people. And uh, you mentioned there a while ago, see, uh, bankers create wars, and they finance both sides. You see, uh, uh, fear is a powerful motivator perhaps one of the most powerful motivators that exist. And everything that goes on in Washington, D.C., Ottawa, Canada, uh, any capital city, uh, is based on fear. They create a problem that doesn't exist. They create a problem. They get people's attention with it, and then they come up with a solution to the problem they created. You know, I've had personal experience of that, and you have a copy of that that uh, article in Nation's Business Magazine, June 1961. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pattern for federal takeover of business. They take bogus statistics. Look at they take one uh, one segment of the economy. They take bogus statistics and run it through their crystal ball, which is now the computer. And uh, they say the world is coming to an end unless the government takes over. And I was just listening to things here today. By the way, I don't I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news in ten months now. It's a waste of time because it's totally managed. But uh, here was this uh, writer while I was eating lunch. I was uh, hearing this, and uh, this is a writer that's gone over to Austin where you are, and uh, 
she's talking about uh, how the government uh, didn't uh, do what it's supposed to do there to protect all these people from uh, what's going on in Houston with the water. Uh, you see, uh, every time they turn the government for a solution, and it's the world's worst place to go to. But, you know, that's the core of everything out there. Everything else is a subdivision of that. So you said three things. Uh, repeat that again, love. Well, three things, right, three lessons that you'd like to leave everyone with that you've learned in your life, right, the three most important lessons? Well, learn that we're not in control, that this is training camp for the eternal. Uh, I'm 86 and a half years old at this point, and uh, I'm not uh, going to be around much longer. Uh, 86 and a half years is, no- is nothing compared with eternity. And if if you hadn't figured out uh, that, uh, you're in a heap of trouble, that uh, this is not all there is to it. This is training camp for the eternal. And you better get the characters in the play straight and realize that you're not running the show. And you have to learn that uh, uh, we have a, a built-in characteristic of wanting to try to replace God, and you can't. I don't know. By the way, I'll email you. Another piece there that I've written, it's only about three pages long. It'll help out on these lines uh, here. Now, uh, also, uh, learning that the folks that try to control our lives invariably try to change the meaning of words. They take words that uh, have one that have a, a original meaning and they bend it around to the point where it means exactly opposite. For instance... The definition of home ownership today in Washington, D.C. is that you have a title to a piece of property, but you owe more on it than it's worth. They call that home ownership. Nothing can be further than the truth. You don't own it until you own nothing. You owe nothing on it. But and even then, you don't own it because you have to pay taxes on it. <laughs> you got to point that, too. Yes. And looking to those folks for solutions is about the craziest thing that a person could possibly do. But the, problem, the thing that's created that is that um, the uh, whole system of our education, uh, you can look back to bankers about that also. You can look to our media. It's control, controlled and total, entirely by bankers. Mm-hmm. Now, I was telling you about uh, the book by uh, Dr. Joel Herman uh, McDermott, this to restore in America one by one. And I was asking about who's the president of Switzerland and so forth. Uh, do you know the president of Switzerland rides to work in a trolley? I did not. It's true. Now, you remember that our son Barry was White House physician. Now, yeah. uh, that was for three and a half years looking after Clinton Bunch and whatnot, four months, five months rather, looking after the W Bunch. And uh, anyway, I met uh, Clinton twice. One was over in Atlanta. Barry had called and asked me if we wanted to go through Air Force One. Uh, They were stopping over on the way to Miami to see Sylvester Stallone. Anyway, I had an hour and a half of talking with the pilot of the airplane who had uh, just about a month before that 
uh, he was in uh, on that trip to uh, China. Now I have a book of all the uh, aircraft and vehicles that had to be involved in that one particular maneuver, and it will boggle your mind. Now mm. contrast that with the guy in Switzerland, huh? You see, we are under the we are the epitome today of the top-down thinking. And so you end up with this observation. Once when Barry was uh, visiting and uh, just talking about what goes on up there, and uh, Barry made the comment that in reality the president is a prisoner. Just everywhere he goes, he's he's uh, confined as to what he can do, whatever. Now he's surrounded by Secret Service people everywhere he goes. He's a prisoner. Now, contrast mm. that with the president of Switzerland. Yeah. You see what I mean? Totally. The, the power is down at the you and me level, and that's where, where we should be. Well, the ultimate power out there is money. Now, do you realize that if we get lots of people to understand it, what we're trying to get across, where you got the banking function totally at the you and me level. See, I know thousands of people out there now that will never see a bank again in their life. Now, if we get a lot of people to doing this, you see, they cannot inflate the money supply, and you could care less what the rest of the world is doing. Because you're not going to get it done top down. It's impossible. But yet, you see, that's what most of the efforts out there are. Uh, all the writers out there with uh, economic stuff and so forth, they have the idea that if we do, we just get the, uh, the right guys running the government that everything's going to be good, and there is no way. Inevitably, mm. there is corruption and nonsense that takes place. Well, if you get it down to the level, that can't be done. Money can not be inflated uh, with the people who are participating in this idea. Well, Nelson, I've got a couple lessons that I'd like to share that you've taught me. Oh, you ready? wonderful. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a huge difference between the way wealthy people think yeah. and the average person thinks. Mm-hmm. You've taught me about the meaning of the word magnanimous. I think you're the epitome of somebody who's magnanimous. And what I mean by that is someone who is a big thinker, but still humble. Someone who's impacted so many people and generated so much activity, but again, is so humble and noble. You're a man of character. I've learned persistence. Keep beating the drum. Mm. Don't give up. I've learned that there should be no thing as retirement. Crazy as that never came along. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) The idea of retirement means to be put out of service. Yep. And today you are over 86 years old and you're as sharp as any 40-year-old. In fact, I would say a 40-year-old would wish to be as sharp as you. You continue to read daily and write daily and speak daily your truth. 
I've learned to have faith. You've taught me faith, something much bigger than you. (laughs) I've learned the importance of family, generational, long-term generational planning. You've planned out and you've thought about and you've prepared and funded money for how many generations now? Is it four? Four. Four. Mm -hmm. Four generations. Mm -hmm. Right? The middle class thinks about the now. Yep. For four generations. You've taught me about the power of giving, constantly giving and sharing, and not worried about what's yours and what belongs to you. You've taught me about love and friendship. Well, like I say, the most important part of all this is that uh, running into people uh, who will listen because you have no idea why difficult it was uh, to start getting this message across uh, where I would... uh, plan seminars and get the people to commit that they were going to come and there are occasions where no one ever showed up. Think about that. I I want you, the listener, to think about that. Imagine if day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, right, you had something to share that you knew was so vitally important and you'd set up a workshop, you'd set up a seminar and nobody came or one person came, or three people came. But you didn't stop showing up because you knew the message that you had was so vitally important. You kept showing up, even if nobody else did. And over time, people did start showing up. And over time, people did start talking about you and sharing your book. That's your life, Nelson. But those were lonely years, no doubt. Yeah, when the book first came out, uh, I was startled as to what happened. Uh, I had no idea that, that that this would go on, but I knew that it had to be. Uh, see, I know what Moses Burning Bush is all about. Uh, back when I uh, saw this from my background that I uh, told you about, I saw that the uh, people were looking at the that. The thing called life insurance from a backward viewpoint that in order to be able to supply the death benefits that are talked about, it requires lots of money at work out there by lots of people. And that uh, your need for finance during your lifetime is greater than your need for protection. And we were looking at the wrong way that uh, all the life insurance business folks were talking about death benefit. And if you saw for... Uh, Financed in your lifetime, uh, you've accomplished uh, so many uh, goals that uh, or desirable active uh, uh, results that uh, it was just startling. But uh, I suppressed the thought. Uh, I probably never told you this. I suppressed the thought for two or three years because it was. Um, I said they'll never believe this. Well, it wouldn't go away. So there's that burning bush. <laughs> it wouldn't go away. 
And mm-hmm. so I, I, I'm not doing this because I wanted to. I'm doing it because I'm compelled to. Mm. Yes, but in the process, you see, these last 20 years have been the greatest 20 years of my life. Golly, nobody's had any more fun than, than uh, we've had in the last 20 years. I know. I know. And that it was is joy. To back to you. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, well, one of the ladies, uh, ladies at the seminar last Friday, uh, see, I haven't done one in six months or so, and uh, this lady... Uh, after his always says, aren't you tired? I said, no, ma'am, I'm exhilarated. Because <laughs> it's not work to you, right? It's joy. No, no, to the contrary. When I see the uh, the uh, synergism that's in this room that uh, has caught on, ah, how, man, how can you turn this off? Good grief. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, we've been hearing from Nelson Nash, the creator of the infinite banking concept. His insights have shaped my own life and the lives of thousands by empowering them to think outside the box, or rather, bottom up, rather than top down. It's all about restoring the function of banking to we the people, and I'm so blessed and honored that you joined us today. What I'm most happiest about is that you, the listener, have been able to spend some time with one of the most beautiful, magnanimous humans on this planet. Thank you so much, Nelson. Thank you for being my adopted daughter. I love you. I love you. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com.